This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Special guest to kick off this show, and he's also going to come back as we end this show, Paul Ace Fontaine, who really saved my butt this weekend. He posted the UFC 252 play-by-play for the website on Fight Game Media, and he also wrote uh, a piece about some, some bets. How did the bets go, by the way, Paul? Actually, for I think only the second time this year, I did better than Ryan. Uh, he his his picks went one and four, so he lost a bit of money, and mine went three and two, and I made a little bit. So I closed the gap. He's still way ahead on the year, but uh, I'm almost back to even now, so that's good. So Paul recapped the show. I did not even get a chance to re- to watch the show. I was out of town, but I did. You know, I did my research and I watched some clips and stuff. I, I I don't have a great idea of everything that happened, but that's why I wanted to bring Paul on because he he did such a good job with the recap on the website. But let's talk about UFC uh, two fifty two. So the story going in was really about Daniel Cormier, who's going to be his retirement fight, and I think you know people had probably. Uh, you know, the the people who love seeing the stories played out in the way that they sometimes can were rooting for him. I know I was and, and I don't really root for for fights t- too much. But this is one where I did. I did want Daniel to win. And, you know, like a lot of the, like like it happens a lot of times, like the reality of the situation is, is the younger and and bigger guy, uh, Stipe, he, he won the rubber match. So Stipe Miocic is still the champion. And it looks like Daniel Cormier is going to retire, save uh, Dana, you know, doing something or other to, to get him back. But uh, what did you think of the whole story going in and then, you know, just the end of that fight and how uh, how everything happened the way that it did? Well, I, you know, I, 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 I was pretty vocal about the fact, like when they first made this fight, that I don't know. For me, like after the second fight, I didn't really want to see a third one. I know that they, you know, they tied up, and DC won the first one, Stipe won the second one. But just for me, it just seemed like if they had it again, it was kind of going to go the way it ended up going. So I wasn't all that excited about it. But then as the hype started going and as they started you know airing the promos and the commercials and ESPN did a great job hyping this up I'm in Canada but we saw a lot of it on TSN and uh, I just I was really hyped up for the fight by the by the time it came which you know often happens if they're doing their job and uh, you know it I think uh, one of the things that really hit me and it's why I picked Stipe was more often than not when a guy announces ahead of time or you know, even if he doesn't announce it, but you kind of know that it's their last fight. Uh, that's usually like for whatever reason they just it they don't seem to have have it. Like their head's not in it. They've already got one foot out the door. And I'm not necessarily saying that 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 was the case here, but I just feel like you know, Father Time caught up with him a bit. Um, Stipe, like you said, is younger, faster, stronger. Um, Maybe not stronger in this case. Like DC was pretty strong. Like, he, well, I mean, uh, D- DC is a, a, an athlete yeah. above grade than Stipe. Just if you're talking about athletes themselves, so he he's not a pushover. No. But all all of the other sort of leverage points uh, lean towards Stipe for sure. Yeah, and and so again, it was it was you know like it, it was a really good fight. It wasn't a classic, but um, you know it it told a story. 
Um, unfortunately, you know, there was some controversy and, uh, you know, and there's like different differentiating opinions on, you know, should the fight have been stopped? Um, should, you know, does DC have a legitimate concern? And I think under normal circumstances, like if he hadn't already announced his retirement, I definitely think they'd be pushing for a fourth fight and maybe they will. Uh, you know, DC, I'm sure Dana White's going to try to get DC to fight again, but he really seemed like he was done in his post-fight interview. And you know, money talks, and and you know, and I think like he, part of him probably wants a more satisfying ending to his career. So whether that is winning, you know, the title in his last fight, or you know, if it's fighting John Jones down the road, um, you know, like because that's another part of his career that. Um, he's kind of left unsatisfying. So it, but he's 41 and he's got a lot of opportunities outside the cage. So I, I really do feel like we probably have seen the last women in Octagon. I hope we've seen the last women in Octagon, but I would not bet against him fighting again. Not only should he retire, but he has options. Yes. Like a lot of fighters stay on because they need the money or. That fighting is really all they know. So you know he's he's got the the high school uh, wrestling coach job, which he does mostly to help. He doesn't really. I mean, he he. I think he gives away his money uh, with that job. But he's got ESPN. He's always got sort of WWE if he wants to do stuff with them. And that's why I think that he probably uh, is. I, I never say one hundred percent with this stuff, but. You know, he's got he's got options and he doesn't have to beat up his body. And I think, you know, I think to him and this is what actually surprised me was he still knowing that this was probably going to be his last fight. He still let himself balloon up to like almost 250 pounds or whatever. (laughs) Like if you're thinking, you know, if this is your career, you know, you got to you got to think of it uh, sort of as a year round sport. And I know he doesn't do that. He, he's never done that. And, you know, he's like we said, he's so athletically and gifted uh, in that way. I just that when I read that, I was like, ah, oh, you know, if I knew that and, and I should have known that I was mostly picking with my heart in this case. But, you know, when you when he's got to like come down, he's I think he calls it his big boy diet, which probably means he's not watching his diet at all. And unfortunately, his body type uh, is is not conducive to to someone who can kind of just eat and eat whatever he wants. But yeah, so unfortunately, you know, I, I think there's a there's a few different things that that happens with him. And I think one of those is just that he just wants to he just want doesn't want to diet hardcore. And he probably uh, he he probably I'm sure he trains really really hard. But like we said, you know, he's so athletically gifted that. Um, some of that stuff, even if he doesn't train really, really hard, he probably is, is just that good, uh, especially with the wrestling side. But um, the other thing that came out of that fight is obviously every time you watch a you watch UFC show and John Jones isn't fighting, he's going to be tweeting about something. He was throwing his hat in there, and this is the same John Jones who doesn't want to defend his light heavyweight championship because he doesn't think they're getting paid enough. So you never know what you, what to get with Jones. I, I saw a lot of people saying, you know, I'd love to see Jones and Miocic. I'd actually rather see Nganu first. I, I'm kind of, you know, it's almost like with, with Jones, you'd rather see him defend his belt against Reyes uh, a second time to see what they would do there. Uh, and But what did you think about him coming out and trying to throw his his nose in the in their business? Well, I you know obviously he's keeping his name out there. I don't think he has any interest in fighting Reyes again. Um, you know he, by all accounts, got a lucky decision there, and there's no reason to believe that it would go any different the second time. And maybe for him too, like the weight cut might be starting to get to him. He's getting a little bit older. He's on the other side of thirty now, and so for him to be at heavyweight, that might be the ideal weight for him. Put on another fifteen, twenty pounds of muscle, and uh, you know, and then he can go in there. And I mean, obviously, he instantly would get a title fight if he wants it. Um, you know, and I, I'm not sure if I would put him in against an Nganu just because if he loses that fight, yeah, you make Nganu, but then you take away a potential big money fight with Jones and Miosic. So I think if he does fight at heavyweight, um, I, I would go right to the title fight personally. I mean, there's other ways to look at it. And, and you know, obviously Nganu would be a bigger star if he beats Jones. Um, and and that's certainly true, but I just feel like I don't know. Like I don't think Nganu would ever be as big as Jones is now. 
no matter what happens. I, I could be wrong. That's, that's interesting because he's got that Mike Tyson like power. He does, uh, and, and but it's probably you know he did lose that what that that fight to Stipe already. That that really boring fight. So I I get that, but but it just seems. Um, you know, for that audience, having a Mike Tyson like guy would be uh, re- would be really good draw, at least for short term, because uh, there are other other. I'm sure, I'm sure there are, are points in his game that people look at and go, okay, if I could withstand some of these big punches, uh, I could probably beat him. But um, so the other thing that I wanted to bring up uh, is Sugar Sean. So. Uh, I, I got I got to see a lot of that fight just because of the clips on on Twitter and stuff, and I could not really tell like where he would have hurt his leg, and then you kind of see him limp around a couple different times, and then and then by then I think uh, uh, he you know uh, Marlon Vera figured it out like okay I can actually jump on top of this guy like I don't need to worry about that, uh, and then he did and just demolished him. Uh, so, you know, did you like when, when you were watching, did you even realize that he had like screwed up his leg somehow? Because it didn't look like it was actually on a strike or blocking a strike. It just looked like it just happened. No, it, like they I mean, you knew because they they brought it up right away. And so but I didn't know how. And then when they showed the replay later, um, they found a spot. They isolated it where it clearly looks like he just basically rolled his ankle, taking a step back. So they, he was moving around a lot. And throwing a lot of kicks, um, I saw some speculation that it might have happened when he checked a kick. Um, or, That's what. Or, sorry, or sorry, when Cheeto Vera checked a kick. Um, but but I don't know. Like I, to me, it looked like, and it could be that he checked a kick. Then he then he, or he checked, he, he checked, he checked the kick. Yeah, checked, checked the, the kick. Yeah, and then he stepped back afterward, and then he that's when it happened. Like he just kind of stepped wrong. Either well, way, that's, like, that's what Vera, that's what Vera was trying to say was that that's how be. he heard it, and it could could yeah. be. You know, they only reminded. showed the rolling, and yeah, it looked a lot like the first time that happened to him. Honestly, like if you remember that, like Do you. He, no, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say like he broke his foot in one of his first big fights, and he basically fought the rest of the round on a broken foot and and got a knockout, and then he had to be interviewed while sitting down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, and that that was basically what kind of set him off. Like, he he had a lot of momentum coming off Dana White Contender Series, but at that point, he was, like, everybody's favorite badass, you know, and uh, and then, you know, he's he's got a lot of appeal outside the cage, and he didn't want to quit, but as soon as, like, it was an early stoppage, in the sense that the kind of damage that Vera was doing, normally you wouldn't get stopped on that. But I think Herb Dean knew is something wrong with his foot. So he basically stopped it based on that. And O'Malley didn't protest it. And he screamed in pain when it was over. Like he was holding it in. Do you so, remember when uh, Michael Chandler a few years ago yes. all of a sudden had like the drop yeah. foot? Like that was that was really weird, and I was wondering if it was related to that, but it doesn't look like it was. No, way. that was what Brent Primus, I think, right? Yeah, 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 and that, yeah, that that it it kind of felt like that, but but this was it was a little more gradual because he probably fought another minute maybe on that, and then like you said, as soon as Vera knew, like you could tell, and so he was targeting the leg, and then he knew that if he if he got him down. Like I guess he, I think he kicked the leg and then he kind of stumbled and fell and then Vera just pounced on him and he did like he landed some vicious elbows and I mean even without the leg like with those elbows like it probably like if he would have done that for maybe 15, 20 more seconds then Herb Dean would have normally stopped it but in this case I think he was stopping it more based on the damage to his to his leg or his ankle than than from the actual strikes. Uh, before uh, I get to my segment with John on WCW Saturday Night, Adesanya and Casa finally is a go for the next show. Yeah, yeah, September twenty uh, second, I think, or somewhere around there. What do you What do you think about that one? I, I you know, it's it's funny because like it's really like. People said this was a one-fight card, and that is really a one-fight card. Well, they, they only um, showed like four fights yeah, or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's they got nothing. I know they're working on uh, Covington-Woodley, so maybe that'll be the co-main event. But but I mean, they're really banking on Adesanya. And, and I do like Costa. Like, Costa is the kind of guy that if, if he got the title, um, you know, he's going to be – he's kind of like a Vitor Belfort, you know, like got that kind of appeal, um, you know, just like this – crazy like puncher 
Um, and I think he'd be really big in Brazil. And I think he's really popular here because he speaks good English. Good looking dude. Um, you know, and I, I really feel like this is the fight that people have been waiting for. Um, and But I – just Adesanya, like he never – well, who wants to get into it with strikers? But he really like he's got a way of just avoiding strikes, and this could be like it's not going to be a slugfest. Like both guys throwing down. Like this is either going to be Costa is going to catch him and knock him out, or it's going to be Adesanya avoiding him for twenty five minutes and winning a decision. Like you know, I, I that's just kind of what I see. And one of those options sounds really fun, and one of them sounds really boring. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say it's like a seventy-five percent chance it's going to be the the boring one. But I, I I do feel like it's going to be a lot of great hype going into this. They're both really good promos, and um, UFC loves both these guys, so they're both going to get pushed strong on ESPN. I think, and uh, I, I think they'll there'll be a lot of. Uh, interest in this fight by the time it happens all right well thanks again for doing the uh, play-by-play the live recap for me you're gonna stick around and come back after uh the segment with john and i but first before we get to our wcw saturday night recap of the august i think it's the august 15th 1992 show uh, we're going to talk about TheraOne CBD for tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging to simply make it through each busy day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, especially when you get to my age. Uh, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products started by Dr. Jason Worsland. TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragund percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but they contain up to 30% filler and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to the theragun.com slash bluewire page. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com front slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now. T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N dot C-O-M front slash blue wire. All right, it's time for our WCW Saturday night review. Let's see. Is it August 15th, 1992, I believe? Yep. So this episode starts with Ron Simmons. He is shown uh, doing a press conference I don't know exactly where it's at, but it looks like maybe there's some kids there. Yeah, it looks like the scene in center to me. Oh, okay. That's what I mean. I think so. I'm guessing. Yeah, it looks like the scene in center. I don't know. Is there is there is there, is there a uh, uh, a gimmick shop at scene in center? It's looking yeah, like people shopping behind him. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so the show opens with Jim Ross and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and Ricky's taped up ribs. Uh, Ricky says, "This is this is some interesting logic." Ricky says, "It's it's probably true though." He says, "Because Austin has been the TV champion for so long already, the odds are that he's going to lose it soon." Yeah, and do uh, he is due, and Ricky uh, Ricky thinks he's going to win it. I mean, Ricky, you know, never the the greatest uh, babyface promo, but he's always a believable uh, good guy, and that's what he was in this promo. But he. Forgot something. What did he say? What did he forget? Steve Austin just recently lost the title and regained it back. And he lost in April to Barry Windham and 
or actually maybe I think Barry Windham, something, whatever, oh, whatever aired. I don't know. And then Barry, and then he regained it back. So Bill Watts probably wasn't, wasn't there. He wasn't there at that point. He didn't see, he didn't check, do the check and balances. <laughs> you know, no one told him. But Steamboat, you know, he's, yeah, he's a unique uh, promo, you know, but as a baby face, I think it's kind of like the every man kind of yeah. just, you know, he doesn't, he said, a, I think he said something else. He kind of slips, whatever, but he's, he's not perfect. Look, damn, man. he had a, a great shoulder definition for his age. See that? Jesus. When, when, when he, great. when he could finally talk after swallowing his tongue, when Randy Savage used the bell to hit him in the throat, I, I was, I was in, I was sold no matter what he said. He, he could do it. Uh, so the first match is Dustin Rose and Joe Kazana. I think this is the first time Kazana. we've seen Joe Kazana. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're, they're selling the Valentine and Dick Slater, Greg Valentine and Dick Slater against Dustin and uh, Barry Windham. Did this go beyond being a house show thing? Like, was this a television program? I don't remember because, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, just I'm not looking show. ahead. I don't remember. I do think they wrestled the Clash Two at uh, Clash Two Clash Twenty on uh, September second. I think it is. I think it is. Oh wait, I don't know. Yeah, Gosh, I don't remember. It's been I mean, a while. You know, we're not looking ahead either. We're kind of like, yeah. Uh, there's you, you're remembering stuff more than me, but but I do know they that Slater and, and Valentine. I think they do wrestle on on the Clash. You know, who's gonna tell us is uh, Robert Silva. He's no, he's please. on this thing. He's, he's yeah, the, he's, the great, yeah, the, the great, great Robert Silva. Um, no, yeah, but yeah, it seems like it went longer in a house show than I thought. I thought Valentine was gone a lot sooner than this, but but have you noticed the promos of Dick Slater and Greg Valentine? Either it's just one of them switching off talking, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of quick nonsense. I'm gonna get you. It's like okay, <laughs> like thank God these are only 15 seconds. So I mean. Like, I'm watching this, and even when I'm a kid, I'm remembering going like, okay, Dustin's the young guy. You know, Barry's the vet, but Barry's not, like, as outdated as Greg Valentine is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Slater, he was not on WWE TV all that much. And, you know, he was in and out of NWA, but it's not like he was overexposed on WCW television. So I wasn't as tired of him because I always kind of liked him. But man, like, you know, Valentine, it's, it's almost like I've seen, you know, how many years of Greg Valentine. And at this point, I'm just like, okay, like, you know, I, I don't really buy it. But, you know, I know that they're trying to, you know, it's, it's just a, it's just another hurdle for, for Dustin and Barry. But yeah, they're, they're you know, they're, they push those guys pretty hard on this show. Yeah, well, um, it's a good, it's a good, he's valentine great valentine is good to have on the roster for his credibility of his past success he was you know main eventer in wwf he had a you know you know, title you know how many plus, years plus, before that was but plus in the carolinas too he was so like but you know i'm okay with having him there for dustin to beat like yeah, you know that, that's sure. that's great you know like he needs uh some big wins over veterans so yeah, and um you know always fun to watch dustin wrestle you know so this is good hits a, hits a bulldog yeah, Kazana's actually really good. He's actually a second-generation wrestler. His dad, I believe, was a little wrestler in Tennessee area, Tennessee, kind of in that southern states. Um, also was a promoter, I believe. Or So um, he's always a reliable guy. Like, he's always a reliable... He's up there with the Italian Stallions and the Bob Cooks and, mm-hmm. you know, the George South. Like, you know, he's a reliable, you know, enhancement guy. And I know Dustin, you know, always has to sort of live in that shadow of being Dusty's kid. But man, I really like 1992 Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, I mean, he's still on the on the uh, on the rise, on the ascension up, right? So, um, I thought they booked Dustin really well, especially 91. I thought they did a really good job with him. Like, you know, Dusty was a booker. Like, he didn't really like. I'm sure Buddy Landell had a probably different opinion on this back then, but but like, you know, the, he wasn't really as forced, right, as Eric Watts would be, right? I think. You know, he wasn't, like, winning championships, like, big championships. He won, like, the six-man title, like, in early 91. But finally, like, when he won the tag titles with Rick Steamboat as a mystery partner, like, it it meant something, right? And, you know, another level for Dustin to uh, to rise above. So, I was, 
like I said, I was I thought they missed the ball. I thought they missed the ball on building up a nice world title match between him, you know, him challenging Dusty Rhodes. I mean, that's got Big Van Vader with Dusty Rhodes mm-hmm. in his corner mm-hmm. and Harley Race in his uh, and Vader's corner. I thought that would have been a major. I think it would have been a really big pay per view match if they if done correctly. So the next match is Johnny B. Bad against Mike Thor. Mm-hmm. And Johnny B. Bad is he's selling for a little bit of this match, and then out of nowhere throws that left hook uh, for the win. The kiss that don't miss. He, I don't. What do you remember immediately? What happens with him at this point? Because they, they, you know, obviously, I think we were talking about a couple weeks ago where, you know, they're 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 talking about him having to improve and and all that stuff, but. He, I, it just seems like the hype for him is, is lesser and lesser every week. But at least he's on TV. He's winning matches on TV. Well, when he first debuted, he was super green, right? In 91, he was, you know, he's doing short matches, but he's he's now they're positioning him as working his way back up and, and as a baby face. Um, and he's definitely improved. I mean, he improved greatly as a wrestler, you know, especially he really hit a stride in like late 93. And then 94 really start to that 95 was like his big year we really kind of exploded and you know started adding a lot to his arsenal and just kind of you know up his game so um yeah i know he's he's they look at him as a prospect and he was still at 92 like he still was very young or very green so um i thought this match was uh good i thought i thought mike thor did a great job mike thor was another reliable guy um he used to be he's in such great shape here he used to be one of those uh pudgy guys job guys just get beat and he really worked hard and got his body going here and um this was good man he even get, he hit that nice clothesline on johnny badge i'm gonna give him one of those and then like the finish was perfectly timed great bump by mike thor taking it making it look great so yeah this this i like this little squash match and then the next match was big josh against a beautiful bobby with paulie uh on the mic with jr there was, uh, you know, lots of mad stuff, and that's, you know, we were mentioning how beautiful Bobby and Arn Anderson were more of like the grinder, like the the uh, Minnesota Wrecking Crew type of team, because there's a bounty on the Steiners. So he worked uh, a little bit like that early on. Then it turned into a fun match, bit of a slugfest. Josh hit a pretty sweet flying forearm. Then he goes for his butt drop from the middle of the rope. And Bobby chain, Bobby gets his <laughs> knees up, and so he gets him he gets Bobby's knees right in the groin, uh, and I, and I thought Bobby was immediately going to go to the fit go for the finish, but then he just chokes him out in the middle of the rope. Match is goes on a little bit longer. Um, Jr. is just putting over Eaton and Anderson like crazy for like how deadly they've been of late, and then uh, Eaton charges a corner, mists. Josh tries to roll him up, and then Eaton reverses it oh, and yeah. cradles him for the win. Yeah, I mean, I like the finish. I thought that was that was that was a sweet finish. Uh, but I, I thought it would have been a little better if, like, when he went for the whoopee cushion, uh, the big butt drop, and when when he gets the knees up, it's a disqualification, in my opinion, right? A low blow. And I think that would have been so good if it was like disqualification, and then. You know, Bobby gets right on top of him, opens his legs up again, just drops a knee, like, just right there. And they're just trying to injure because that's the story. Like, they're injuring – they injured Larry Zabisco last week, and now they're going to try to injure Big Josh here. You're like, I think that would have been cool if they would have done that route. But, I mean, I, I thought the finish was sweet, how they went to the, the into inside cradle. Well, I, I mean, that, I mean, really that cool. it was, you know, very smooth in comparison to what we talked about on a Thursday show with the Jericho and, and Orange Cassidy thing. Like yeah, that's a yeah. version of a, a very smooth cradle. And then the Jericho and Cassidy one was, was not as smooth. Um, okay. So then they did a replay of the Nikita and a ravishing Rick Rude angle from Baltimore rematch in the Omni and Medusa is banned from ringside. And that's all that Nikita wanted. He just wanted one-on-one. That's all he wanted. Shatuata. That's all he wants, man. That's all he needs. This is going to be his big win. Uh, and then uh, also, uh, not mentioned on this show, but during this, uh, I think probably probably why Rick is not on this show, but a couple days before this, Rick is in the NWA championship match with Masahiro Chono, loses in the finals. Is that the, is this the match where uh, he hurts his back? No, this is, um, this is uh, the G1 final. I thought it was the NWA. 
Oh, no, it's a G1, but it's the NWA titles online. Oh, okay. And instead got of it. a round robin, it's a single a single elimination tournament. Got it, so, got it. Yeah, so this is the, you'll, we'll see the controversy. And, and um, you know, I listened to the show with, you know, you and Larry um, talking about, you know, experience at Baltimore and everything. And we talked about, you know, f- what they draw, I mean, what, what they dropped the ball with when it came to, Ron Simmons mm-hmm. is, of course, his challengers, right? What they had next for him. Rick Rude was a a perfect challenger for that guy. You know, a perfect program that could have really built, you know, Ron Simmons' stock as a world champion. And he, I just hated the fact that he was so... Dis- they put in this damn feud with Masahiro Shono or the NBA title where they could have used him to kind of finish off this feud with Nikita and then get him ready for Simmons... And I know he ends up hurting his neck in the end of 92, and, and the title match doesn't happen at Starcade. But, man, may, maybe it's a little different if, I don't know. Maybe maybe he mm-hmm. does hurt his mm-hmm. neck. But I'm just saying, like, that, I think, would have been a feud that Simmons could have got Simmons over that hump past just that amazing title win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, DDP and Vinny Vegas against the Italian Stallion and Chad Bird. JYD and Big Cat are waiting for them to do a little inset interview. Vinny Vegas needs to really stop with that voice. Whatever voice he's trying to do oh, is the... Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah it was so bad. Uh, yeah. DDP wins with a leg drop. You know, we, every time I see him wrestle, I just figure the diamond cutter's coming, but he hadn't even used that move yet. The leg drop. Yeah, the, the, preceded by the uh, the side suplex. I call it the side suplex. Then that later became the sidewalk slam. Mm-hmm. I remember I used to call it the side suplex as Dino Bravo. That was the first time I seen it as a finisher. Dino Bravo beat him with the side suplex. But anyways, Diesel, uh, Diesel, Kevin. Gosh, what's his name here? Vinny Vegas. Vinny Vegas. Vinny Vegas hits the big sidewalk slam, but he's so green. He pushes him too close to ropes, and so when DDP runs to get the big leg drop, it's like it's. He doesn't get the height. You know, he probably wants to do the big Hogan leg drop, but he just has to like stop short and kind of jump up and down. It didn't really come off as clean, but uh, they they showed some good chemistry. I know they're, you know, I liked Vegas Connection. You know, they were a good. I thought a good mid card heel team at the, for the time. Sundays are coming back with the NFL. With NFL Sunday TV, you can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon. On your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels, never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday TV is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFL Sunday TV and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Then there's a pretty good interview with Larry Zabisco. Uh, he's obviously very frustrated with what had happened on the last show. And then they show the part, um, and we didn't really, I, I don't remember if we really talked this through, but we had talked about, you know, why did they take the, uh, the, the wh- why did they change the rules so that you could fly off the top rope? And it's not a DQ. And they showed specifically that beautiful Bobby comes off the flying, uh, off the top rope with a flying knee to the back of the arm. And that that's what causes the break. And then Eaton is just wrenching on it to get the finish and, and for, for Larry to, to tap out. And that and, and so when they explained it, I was like, oh, that makes a whole lot of, lot of sense. I didn't feel I, I could have missed it, but I didn't feel like they explained it that well when it happened. Um, but Larry, Larry just wants revenge, man. He's 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 pretty upset at this point. But it, I thought it was a pretty good interview. Yeah, really good. He's he's good as a heel, good as a babyface, fiery promo. He's always been strong on the mic, and he's also strong in the ring too. He doesn't get enough credit for being how good he he really is in the ring. Um, yeah, no, I liked it. Liked all this. This is this show was all about the promo. It was all about big interview moments for like Sting and Vader. Um, Simmons had a promo, like you know, uh, uh, Jake Roberts had a good promo. So that's last week is all about the excitement of the title change this is like okay now we're building to what we're doing next mm-hmm. building to toward the clash and also their house show in the omni on this specific weekend and then we have uh, cactus jack talking about another pretty good interview he's got an interview with jim ross and he's talking about his title shot and why he deserves it and uh you know just 
really really good not not too long just kind of in and out for cactus jack with jim ross and then they have jake roberts's first match uh back in our first match in wcw against randy stallings Mm -hmm. so there's like weird jake music with him like talking over it i I don't remember this music it's like the I don't remember it either, but it's like the playoff of the trust me, trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think that's what they were going for. I don't, I don't remember either. I don't remember it either. But he's like talking about like what's he saying? Like, God, I forget. But it's just like it's just it's just unlike the trust me song, which is <laughs> obviously WWF had a better production yeah. team than WCW. So um, it was it was it was a little distracting for sure. You know, there is a segment of. The Hulk Hogan audience, which prefers American made over real American. Really? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that argument. It's like, what? No. Who are those people? Don't trust them. Jimmy, Don't trust those Jimmy people. Hart fans. That's who they are. Got it. Got it. Uh, okay, so uh, Jake sets up the DDT, but he doesn't actually give it to the audience. He makes the audience wait. Like, the audience is like waiting there, because you know, he's kind of getting like, people are really excited for him. Uh, and you could tell that there's like a little bit, like, I almost wonder if he's like, okay, guys, like, you know, you're cheering a little bit. You're, you're a little too excited here. We gotta, gotta make you wait a little bit. And finally then does the DDT. And as he pins, uh, one Randy Stallings, he puts his foot right on this poor guy's neck. Mm. (laughs) Like that didn't look very, uh, you know, fun, very good for, for Randy Stallings there. Yeah, no, it's just the base. I mean, this is, this is where modern wrestling fails um because you know he's working out there he has that ear to the audience and he's the heel he just came in he took out their biggest star right and so yes this crowd is excited because hey here's a guy from wwf tv we have now right and we know he's all about the det and that's like his hot move and and they're chanting for it det they want to see it and he just he's going to do it because that's his finisher but on my time yeah. So he he needs he does he stops it to just draw some heat from that crowd who wants it. Oh, to piss them off because they didn't get it. And then of course he's going to give it to him. So yeah, he's just uh, he's just you know master psychologist. Yeah, yeah. And the match that you liked the best was Flying Brian and Tracy Smothers. Uh, Brad Armstrong is hurt, but he still has the title. Fun. I thought this was really fun back and forth. Lot, lots of Pillman early, and then all of a sudden, lots of Smothers. And so, you know, Smothers is such a such a good heel. Um, he, uh, he he hits a so Pillman as we go to the finish. Pillman hits a drop kick from the second rope mm-hmm. for a two count. I think he finished the uh, the guy last week with that move. So I was I he when he hit it, I was like, oh, this is this the finish? Nope. Smothers kicks out. He goes to the goes to the second rope again, and as he jumps off this time, Smothers hits him with a pretty sweet super kick for a two count, and then uh, Pillman does win with a crucifix. And I thought, yeah, I thought this was a pretty fun match, and um, I, I like I'm just waiting for the ball to drop uh, on Pillman because I know that he and Watts eventually don't get along, but he's still he's still doing he's still doing good. It's funny because the ball, you know, there's an issue. There becomes an issue with the contract and yeah. everything. But like, if you look at his booking, like he's he ends up turning heel. You know, spoiler. Like he ends up turning heel soon. Um, he's positioned, you know, in a program with you know Brad Armstrong, and and then he gets uh, you know a big match at Starcade. He's he's. I never really he wrestles steam. I know he, he wrestles Steamboat Halloween Havoc. Like he's in a good match there. Like. So I, I think when it came to the, the booking, and I, I don't think he was, I think they were beating him as a job as a as a heel, but as a heel he still had his heat. I don't know, it's weird how that worked out, but I think it all worked out for the better because you know it. And of course, you know it actually Watts was the one that kind of threw them together, right? Steve Austin and Brian Pillman as the Hollywood Blondes. He didn't expect him to be. I don't think he expected him to get overs like he did, but he was gone by the time they really started kicking things to gear as the Hollywood Blondes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this match here, I, I, I dug. I, this is a match I'm like, ah, oh, you know, it's one of those matches I thought it was going to be a little shorter and it would have been good. But this is a match here where, you, man, if you get these guys some minutes, they can put on a, a hell of an exciting match. And they did. And I love the finish. I love that. That that crucifix is one of my favorite f- finishes. I just love it. And 
Tracy Smothers took it like took it perfectly. How you're supposed to take it, you know, kicking your legs out like you can't get out. You're struggling to do everything to get out of it, but you can't. You're just stuck there. Um, great action, um, back and forth. Um, guys are professionals. There's a moment where Pillman's on the outside, and Smothers is looking to come off the off the apron with an elbow to the floor, like you know, just a standard elbow, not like a cactus check elbow, just like a little, little top elbow on top of the head. But <laughs> Pillman's just sitting there on the ground. He's not feeding up. Finally, he's like, "Oh shit, I gotta feed up." <laughs> but he just goes, he just goes to the corner and and then uh, Tracy Smothers just boots him. But like Tracy's mother's like, oh, not pissed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my god, I couldn't get my damn elbow in. Like, oh, <laughs> this is gonna, this is gonna make a break. Where nowadays, like, you know, you would get people like really upset about that kind of crap, and it's not about that. You know, it's not about that. So that just just two really good professionals, good athletes going at it, and you know, Smothers, these Southern boys in general just never really got there. They got a hot oops when they started ninety. They got a hot hot opening, but man, once they changed the young pistols. That was it, man. So um, we get a Sting promo, which was pretty interesting <laughs> for a couple of different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One is, you know, supposedly, uh, I guess it would have been two weeks prior if, if, if we're trying, if I'm trying to do the math, but, you know, he took that chair, the DDT on the chair, and they were selling uh, in the Jake match that. Uh, you know, it doesn't even matter if it's chair. Just the the move is just so crazy that it's just on the mat and it knocks guys out. So you know, two weeks later, Sting is fine, like completely fine. He's pissed, but he's fine. And then he did this promo where he's like talking about how you know people never thought he was gonna you know be a wrestler when he was younger because he was so small. And I'm like, I, are you admitting to doing steroids? Like, what are you talking about? You, you- he worked out, man. <laughs> Jesus, come on. It was a, it was weird though. It like it almost didn't make sense, but you know sometimes Sting's promos were kind of out there anyways because he was just kind of a crazy <laughs> crazy guy. But it was like he had an idea in his head. Even he during mid promo knew his fault is just going off the rails. <laughs> Jim Ross can sense it's going off the rails. He asked Jim Ross a question that Jim Ross probably didn't even want to answer. <laughs> Jim Ross just does it because this is their top. This is our top baby face. But then like you know yeah he was crazy and off the rails in the beginning, but he did. Bring it back together and then finish it pretty strong. I thought. I mean, he's just, he's a charismatic guy in general, so he could yeah. get away with a lot of that stuff. But I just thought it was funny <laughs> when I was watching it. Okay, so Dick Slater against the Z Man. Uh, Z Man here. The finish is is a Z Man goes for a drop kick off the second rope. This was a little bit of a theme on this show for off the second rope moves, kind of getting away from you. And uh, Slater just like swats his legs away. Like he doesn't even get out of the way, really. He just like the, the Z Man comes flying. He's like swats the legs away. And then he hits a pretty sweet pile driver. And, and you know, he, he beat Z Man. It was pretty close, but Z Man did kick out at like 3.1. Oh, yeah. He did the old, uh, the old like, well, no, he no, he didn't kick out. Actually, if you watch the replay, he didn't kick out. No. Like he just, no, he just did the strong like, Right at the end, like, oh, I'll, if it's just a, a second more, I got to, you know, just to stay alive and just, it's, it's, a, it's bullshit, honestly. When guys <laughs> do that, it's just a, one of those things where, like, I'm, I'm doing a job. I want to make sure people know that, I, you know, I could have kicked out, you know. It's just, he got lucky instead of, like, putting the guy over strong. Yeah. And Tickler's like, screw it, I don't care. I still went over. My my hand's raised. Do whatever you want. I thought this match was good. I don't, you don't, I don't know. I mean, it's kind it. of crazy because you don't see pile drivers like that anymore. Wait, like the sit back one? I mean, just pile drivers in general. But yeah, yeah. That, like the way that he did it, you, you know. Well, we saw a pile driver on AEW, right? We saw the spike pile driver. Oh yeah, for sure. But that, that's but, what it is now. But you, you never see a, a normal one. Oh yeah, it's a great finish. It's a believable finish. Um, but Dick Slater, you he's you know, was unfortunately one of the reasons that he got messed up on painkillers and all that stuff because he had a really bad back and. Um, so he's not doing the old jumping pal. He's not doing the old jumping uh, pile driver. So, but he and he's definitely moving a lot slower than, of course, he's older. He's been through the wars. Mm-hmm. But I like this match. It's it's it's, it's uh, probably not for the kids today. I don't think would be probably bored and be looking at their phones by you know you know bell right when the bell rings probably when it happens. But I like these kind of matches. They're slow building and and it was a good it was a good pace. It was a good time too. It wasn't too long. It didn't overstay its welcome. The thing that I thought was really interesting is. If you're kind of like thinking, 
what does Watts like versus what doesn't Watts like? Like this is the perfect face-off of a guy who Watts thinks is a real ass kicker versus a guy who Watts probably thinks is a pretty boy. And you put the, you face them off and the ass kicker beats him like pretty cleanly and pretty easily. So I, it just, it was like this like dichotomy of what Watts likes in wrestling versus what the previous regime had wanted in wrestling. It was almost like a, a little bit of a statement for, for Bill Watts and what he wanted out of his show. I always thought, I always thought Z man got the short in his stick, but then again, I know he had a mouth on him. Yeah. Yeah. I know he, yeah. you know, I'm sure the politics didn't work in his favor, but, but like, if you can put all that noise behind you and like as his character, like I think people really liked him. Um, you know, they gave him that big win streak in 90, which led to his TV title win was all good stuff. And I, I felt like he could have been maybe not a main event guy, but upper, an upper, you know, baby face on the roster, you know, maybe you know, four or five. And what do you think is his define? Like, what do you think is the thing that people remember him most for though, during his WCW state. Cause I know what I remember him most for, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the same as what you remember him. I mean, my, the thing I remember most is that, you know, all of a sudden, like within like October of 90, he started getting a win streak and they kept talking about it. Like Jim Ross would talk about it, which, Oh, he's not been on a win streak, been on a win streak, been on a win streak, which is, and then eventually he won the TV title. Um, against Arnie Anderson. They, like they, they, it was like a match they built to like, he's getting his TV title shot. It was funny he wins the title early December, but really didn't air it till after Starcade, right? And on Starcade pay per view, the opener, him and Bobby Eaton, Bobby Eaton beats him, mm-hmm. right? And ends a streak, but then he has a title shot. But in the long run, it was actually pretty good booking because now you have a challenger for Seaman, and they did do that match to clash the next uh, the next event, big event they had. So. Um, but yeah, that's why I always remember that that little run. I really enjoyed it. I'm like, wow, he is winning. Like I was into it. Like, yeah, yeah I noticed it. And he had been doing the big flying drop kick on the top rope. And, um, you know, and then he had that great match with Arn Anderson at that center stage. See, the thing that I most remember him about is, um, on the other end, which is losing to the Halloween phantom, like being the, the sacrificial lamb oh, for yeah, Rick yeah. Rude at that, at that pay-per-view. That's oh, like the he, thing that sticks out most in my mind. And it's funny too. Cause I remember like anytime they would debut a new heel, he would lose like, like, uh, I'll, I'll do the rundown. Uh, great record bash, 1990 Vader. He got crushed by Vader. Um, that September clash fall bra as it was back then. He got, Destroyed in two minutes by Stan Hansen. And then, um, like you said, the Hollywood Phantom, you know, like he's always that guy that, that okay, we need a, we need to, we have a new heel. Who's going to be, who's he's going to go over first? And we'll, oh, throw, throw Zinc out there, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but for me, the big, the big run uh, to the title, the TV title was from my childhood. It would have been the, the Can Am connection. True. Yes. And for me, too, a little earlier would be the uh, Pillman. Tom uh, Z-Man, U.S. champions. Yeah, that was fun. I remember that. Okay, so Teddy Long joins Jim Ross and uh, Ron Ron Simmons against (laughs) Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. God, that power slam. Oh, man. So great. Was that like the best power slam you've seen in like forever? I know, you know, the the Dustin one and the Randy Orton one, which are like the the really quick, quick ones. Those are really cool based on the timing, but yeah, this was awesome. Yeah, those... See, Randy Orton did that snap power slam. I don't know who's the first one, but he's the one that brought it to national television. But now, all of a sudden, he does that. Everyone's doing it. On yeah. the indies, oh, yeah. freaking Dustin, and Cody even does it like that. Like No one does a standard power slam anymore, and they looked more devastating than a snap one, in my opinion. And sure enough, you know, Buddy Parker, who's a tremendous worker, you know, good, reliable guy, good guy in there for um, Steve, uh, Ron Simmons to have his opponent on, on his first match on TV as champion. And God, that power slam was just so perfect. Even in the re- I couldn't, I couldn't wait for the replay <laughs> of it. And just the, in like, even the replay, you can see like the impact of it mm-hmm. and, you know, the both bounce off the mat. Man, God, he has such a great power slam. And that Spinebuster, too. But she didn't do it this match. But damn, Ron Simmons was a beast, you know. It was too bad it didn't work out the way they thought it was going to work out. He does 
you know, babyface interview exactly what you think he would say, though he kind of, it's kind of funny because JR is like, you know, the party's over, though, meaning like, you know, now you got to face Vader. And Simmons was like, yeah, you know, the party's over. But you know what? Because of the fans, the party is still going. And he yeah, tried to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like, but he had such a, he wasn't the, the, the best promo, but for some reason, as a babyface champion, it was, he just spoke like, he spoke to the people, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. But, uh, you know, booking kind of failed him. But like, what he, I liked, I like what he says. It's kind of all, it's kind of like, he's kind of like, you know, the other sting, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Just, you just don't know what you're gonna get, but like at the end of it, he's gonna he's gonna at least put you where you need to be with this promo and set the stage. So yeah, yeah. No, I I thought it was good. Uh, you know, he's also in a new spot, right? Because he's now he is. It's on him to do like these main event babyface mm-hmm. promos, and so he's having to do this stuff now, which was not his role prior. So it's kind of cool to see someone like learn into that role, and you see the beginning of them trying to. Do do what they, you know, what they're supposed to do on on a main event scene. A step up from what he was previously doing. So I thought it was pretty you know, cool. You know, we always talk about what heels Ron Simmons should have defended against and build programs with. But could you imagine if done correctly? And I don't think Watts would ever do this because I don't think he believes in babyface babyface matches. But a Ron Simmons defending the title against Sting. Oh yeah, would have been, been a big a Sting match, mentions right? it. Like he's he's mentioned he, it yeah. in promos before. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, that's what that's what's so great about Watts' book. And I, I do like that everyone always mentions they want the championship. It makes mm-hmm. it much much more important. But I think they could have built it up, and and you know, depending if Ron Simmons is a success, you can have him go over right on your franchise player, or if he's not, you can go back on Sting. Yeah, right? yeah. So Big Van Vader is out to face Rex Cooper and Danny Dees in a handicap match. <laughs> And these, these better get out of there. These poor guys, man. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, he's just that. Do you see that freaking choke slam? Oh my god! And then that freaking power bomb on that poor guy. I think his shoulder's gone. Right? Oh. It looked like he. <laughs> so so Vader obviously impressive win, and then he does a, a pretty fun interview. He go, uh it's a little bit contradictory because the previous week he was like, you know what? No excuses. Um, I'm just going to get the title back. But this week he was like, look, I trained for Muhammad Ali and I got Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. He's like, I trained for Godzilla. And I, I don't know if he said King Kong. I don't King remember. Yeah. yeah. But I thought that was kind of cool. But I just, you know, it Went contradicted long. what he said the last week where he said, oh, you know, no excuses. I, I was ready. I was, you know, prepared or whatever. But now he's like, no, I, I, I was not prepared. But I just like that Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson yeah. uh, line because Tyson was, you know, if this is 1992. Um, in jail? You know, well, yeah, he might have been in jail, actually. But yeah. he was still, there was still that mystique, right? So you're putting Ron Simmons up you know, with the mystique of Mike Tyson. So at the same time as saying like, you kind of got screwed because you weren't ready, but you're giving Ron Simmons props for, for being who he was too. I thought that was pretty cool. I wish someone would just tell Vader, Hey, when you do the power bomb, don't do this over the shoulder thunder fire bomb you see in Japan. Like, can you just do it where the legs are over your shoulders and you just set the guy down? You know, he like, he, it would, if you do the over the shoulder style, like you should push the guy out a little bit and then bend down so you guide him down. He just goes up and down. Like it's so dangerous, yeah. man. Yeah. My God, big Van Vader. But God, he's such a beast, dude. He's such a physical presence. And yeah, this, I thought the promo was good. I, I thought, like I said, this is a strong, strong show of promos. So that was the show. Um, not too much in the Observer because Dave goes to Japan and he basically misses like two weeks of publishing. So he's he writes like one Observer in early September, which is like, here are all of the stories that I missed and here's my entire trip. So you can just get these recaps. But he did say that um, there was an increase in house shows because for WCW, because they were doing the gimmick of two kids get in free with one adult, so the uh, the actual um, the attendance was was higher. I don't I don't I think the gate was probably 
pretty similar to what it was, but it did lead to an increase. And then we already mentioned the uh, Chono and Rick Rude thing, which uh, I hope. I, 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 are, are, is this something that they're going to bring up next week? Like, yeah. when do we start listen, hearing about soon? This? Yeah, I think okay. I think it happens pretty pretty soon. Um, they do show a lot of the stuff on the main event. They show matches from G One, which is was I remember being super psyched about as a kid. Um, do you think? What about that family that has like three kids and the dad has to pay that one kid? Do you think he just... just <laughs> you can only bring just, two. Do you, yeah, no, two are free, but you can bring as much as you want, but you're not even paying extra. You got to pay an extra ticket for that. Yeah, you got a Rochambeau for... Do you think he just ticket. like looks at that kid, like little Billy, and it's like... Well, I mean, you, what, what, you, what you do is... I think this is the way you do it. Bring an uncle. Now you're in charge of that kid. Now he's free. Right, so if you have one child... The way you play it is like, okay, you, you can bring your buddy and I'll pay for my ticket and you guys get in free. But if you have two, if you have more than two kids, you just basically go, okay, now mom has to come or yeah. now, like you said, uncle or friend, but you can keep doing that. Like if you wanted to make it like a nice little hangout where you're like dad of the year because, you know, your, your kid gets to bring like four of his buddies to watch wrestling. You can actually mm-hmm. do that because, you know, you just get their dads to come or whatever. And then you probably don't even have to pay for them. They pay for yeah. themselves. Definitely a good deal as a, as a, you know, family, you know, for a family to go check a show. Yes. All right. So um, thanks for coming back for this last segment to uh, help me close down the show. But I wanted to bring up something that you had written on the website. Uh, gosh, it's been it's been over a month now, I think, or maybe maybe a month. It was after the Extreme Rules show, and we saw the match uh, with uh, Seth Rollins losing, uh, beating Rey Mysterio, and Rey Mysterio losing his eyeball. Um, what you know, you had written something, just basically saying, you know, that was kind of it for you. You know, you've you've been so uh, loyal as a fan, but there are times when you step out because of stuff that just uh, offends you. And uh, what? So, I mean, I think there were multiple things on that show. It wasn't only the Seth Rollins things. There was finishes on that show, and just you know, really dumb things that happened. But have you been able to stay away from you know the main roster WWE stuff? Pretty much, uh, I would say, I've since Extreme Rules, and really, just to be clear, it wasn't even the Seth Ray thing. It was the it was the finish of the uh, uh, Bailey or sorry the Oscar Sasha match that that put me over the edge. But um, I watched a couple weeks ago when they were promising um, a new faction and they were promising the return of Shane McMahon and it just felt like there was a ton of buzz around the show. I just, I made up my mind, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And it had been, I'd missed two weeks, two complete weeks of shows, no SmackDown, no Raw. And then um, I watched the show and I really liked the first two hours. Like I actually, I was really into it. I liked some of the stuff they were doing. I was intrigued by what was going on with the lights and the mics and everything. I, I knew that was part of an angle and I wanted to see where it was going. And then the third hour, it just fell off a cliff. <laughs> and and the, the I hated the uh, Raw Underground. Uh, the, the reveal of Retribution was just ridiculous and I just I couldn't believe it. And, and I just like, you know, just what they showed and I didn't even know is that the faction they were talking about? Like they, you know, cause they, they just did it so weird. And then, but it was clearly the way they did it. It was to get you to watch again. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, I'm not interested in this. I'm not going to watch again. So since then, which I think was two weeks ago, I did watch the, like just the end of SmackDown when Retribution like tore up the set. I guess that was a, like not this week, but the week before, just because I'd heard about it. Like I didn't actually watch the show, but I caught it on demand and saw the last 10 minutes and I basically laughed. Like, you know, watching it, I was just, I can't believe this is, you know, what they're doing. It's all these, like, I think Dave called them midgets. Um, I wouldn't <laughs> say that, but they were pretty small. He, he, um, he quickly corrected himself, yeah, but yeah. He, yeah, but, he but, you know, it was, you know, they're very, uh, not very large wrestlers. And, and again, like whoever they were probably isn't going to be who they're going to be. You know, I have an idea of who I think is, is heading this group. Um, and if, if it is who I think it is, I think he'll do a good job with it. I don't know that it's going to get over. Um, but I, 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 I'm leaning towards watching SummerSlam, uh, just cause I'm more intrigued with the presentation of what they're going to do, um, with the led boards and the, um, 
you know, for virtual fans or the fans logging in and stuff like that, as well as like the Drew Orton promo that I did see on the one Raw that I watched, mm-hmm. um, I really liked. And, and that literally sold me on that match. So if anything, I might even just watch that match. And if I like the match and if I like what they're doing with the crowd and everything, I might decide to watch the rest of the show. Um, I know that the two Oscar matches will be will be great. Um, Seth Dominic is intriguing, um, you know. So so I'm I'm leaning towards it, but I'm definitely not. I really enjoy having like that five free hours <laughs> every week that I don't have to watch Raw and SmackDown. Um, more like more like probably three and a half, like when I fast forward through commercials and video packages, but still it's like, I just like, I'm, I feel so like Friday nights, like I can do whatever I want. Monday I'm watching baseball, like, you know, I, uh, you know, so, so I'm, I, nothing I've seen or heard since then has made me think that they've changed their way. Now I leave myself open and if I hear good things, I will check it out, but they're going to have to win me back at this point. They do not have the benefit of the doubt with me anymore. So, uh, what, what is like, what is, does this include NXT? I'm assuming it doesn't. No, no, I'm watching NXT. I I love NXT. Um, I, you know, I mean, it could be better. Um, the one thing I, I think with NXT that I think if I watched NXT first and then watched AEW after, I think I would not like NXT as much. And that sounds weird. Like if I watch them back to back, but what happens is I watch AEW live and then I get like a full 24 hours before NXT shows up on the network. And then Mm -hmm. I watch it there. And I think by then it's like, I've kind of forgotten how good AEW was and I'm kind of grading AEW on their own curve. Mm -hmm. So like you, Anybody that's listening to this that you know sees me comment in the live threads we have on our on our uh, Facebook group, like I sound like I'm really negative on a- on <laughs> EW, but it's more like I expect more out of them. So I'm like, it's uh, I can be disappointed in AEW and still think it's a better show than NXT. And whereas NXT sometimes they pleasantly surprise me, even though it's not as good as AEW. So that 24 hour window in between the two shows sometimes makes me like like. NXT more than if I watched it right after I watched AEW. Kind of like where Dave talks about like when you watch New Japan and then you watch North American wrestling right after. Um, you know, it's the same same kind of thing. So, yeah, I, and I am watching 205 Live. I love 205 Live. I'm like the only person that watches it, but The Dewey it, Foley show. Yeah, what? Yeah, I heard he's one of the lead writers on Tua. Oh wow! Well, yeah. you know what they do some they do some little angles on there, and um, the matches are are solid, and you kind of see guys getting better. Like Ever Rise, like they're on every week. And when I first saw them, I was like, you know, they said these guys are like 15 year vets and in the Quebec indie scene and all this stuff. And I'm like, I didn't really see much in them. And now, like, I look forward to seeing them every week. So, and you know, you get Oni Lorcan or Danny Birch on every show, mm-hmm. and they're fighting Tony Nice on every show so it's like yeah you know they're, they're good they're good stuff and uh you know it, it's funny because i don't know how they do it they've got like nine guys that wrestle on that show and they usually have two matches and somehow they get <laughs> new matches every week so uh, but I, I do I'm, like it i i sort of agree with you about AEW. i'm really hard on that show as well but it's only because like you know they got one shot and you want them to keep going and so you know you're going to be critical but it's not critical in like a, i hate the show way it's a critical in like a, i just wish they did it this way which is better for me not necessarily better for everybody but that's just how you know i, I can't assume what's going to be better for everybody but i, I mean I, I generally enjoy uh nxt it is it is solidly consistent week in and week out so I, I, those are my shows too. You know, as you know, I'm I'm not watching any main roster WWE stuff, but I will watch pay per view. Uh, it's going to be rough because we have um, AW Dynamite on Saturday, which starts at least um, if you have the East Coast feed, the East Coast version. It starts an hour before Takeover, and so then Takeover, and then SummerSlam the next day. So it's going to be quite the uh, quite the weekend for us, and uh, not 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 great for um, our uh, our wives. 
and I've got UFC, and I'm covering it for the Observer site. So oh, wow. There I don't even know when I'm going to watch, like, and I don't even know. I think here in Canada, take uh, Dynamite's airing later, and it might be after UFC because they're on the same network. So if that's the case, then I'll watch Dynamite, and then if I'm still awake, I'll watch TakeOver. I'll watch TakeOver the next morning. And as far as my wife, like, I got a big house, and we have, you know, our own <laughs> TV set up, so that's not a big deal. And if I'm away from her for four hours, uh, she kind of likes that. <laughs> so, and I, my daughter loves uh, both AEW and WWE. So, oh wow, she's with me. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I, yeah. I, I, I'm glad that uh, that that's something you can watch with her. A little little her, father daughter time. Her favorite, her favorite wrestler right now is uh, <laughs> the Librarian. Oh wow, yeah, that's amazing. When uh, Ed Laredo will be happy. About she's that. listening to me right now. But when uh, when what's her name uh, Blue Pants Leva when she goes. Mm-hmm. Shh, you can hear Emily laughing in the background. She loves it. She's, just, awesome. she's like literally hurting her gut laughing by the time <laughs> Bailey's done. And then she doesn't take her eyes off at the whole match. So, All right. Well, let's hope we get a couple more librarian segments uh, so yeah. that she can watch. All right. So um, we're about to go here. But before we go, just want to quickly talk about our good friends, our longtime sponsors at Bet Online. Sports are back. So are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. NBA playoffs starts this week. Where are we at in the NHL playoffs? Uh, we're winding down the first round. All right. So lots of games to bet on. Like we, we also said, baseball is now it's midseason because they're about 30 games in. And football is right around the corner. Um, and there's no better place to wager than our exclusive partners at Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, so that is it from here for Paul and John. I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Au revoir.